We often speak about the Lord doing marvelous things. And in our world, God does do remarkable and wonderful things, even sometimes though we do not note those things. He is working always to bring honor and glory to his name. And for that, we can rejoice in the Lord in so many ways and at all times. The most important manner in which we are to rejoice in God and His overruling in our lives is that we might honor His name, that we would live out the truth as He deals with us as men and women. We might uh, tell the story of our conversion to be able to say, this is how the Lord has dealt with me. This is the God and what He has done for me. Last week, we looked at this wonderful testimony, the conversion of Saul. Here was a man full of wicked rebellion whom God wonderfully spoke to and brought to saving faith so that he might be a mighty apostle used of God. Saul's conversion. And we looked mainly at that from Saul's perspective as the one who was wicked in his heart, as the one who who has brought that wonderful vision of God and who was helped even by a rather worried uh, helper in Ananias. Saul would have been nothing though. This conversion which so changed him would not have happened if it had not been for the working of God by his grace. If God in mercy had not come into the heart and brought him to the place of rejoicing in truth, Saul would have remained Saul the rebel. And there can be little doubt that God's hand was upon Saul from his earliest days. And the scripture is clear. We've just sung of that. How from before the very creation of the world, the Lord knows us. And Saul was, even before he was born, the instrument of God. And even while he poured out his vitriol and bitterness, God's hand was upon him. His previous learning as a Pharisee, the way in which he was brought up in the religion which he was so exposed to, was no waste of time. It was all in God's purpose. And what we want to do this evening is really uh, look at this uh, section coming at it more from the point of view of the Lord God. And we're looking at the Lord in Saul's conversion, looking at what God has done. And the first thing we note is that just it is the Lord's eternal plan. This was all part of God's everlasting plan. And it is good for us to stop and think about this. That God's purpose was being worked out in Saul. Saul spoke of that as Paul later writing to the Ephesians. In chapter 1 verse 3 he gives praise to God who is blessed in the heavenly realms. And he says in verses 4 and 5, For he chose us in him, that is in Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons 
through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So Saul, uh, as Paul understood that the Father's hand was upon him even before these days in which now God is speaking to him as the risen Savior. Indeed, before the very foundation of the world in the counsel of God's own purpose and will, Saul realized that God has a hand on him. Perhaps he, in the days after his conversion, reflected upon the words of the prophet Jeremiah and perhaps they became even more clear to him as a Pharisee. The words where Jeremiah says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Perhaps Saul could identify with Jeremiah, this man who was really able to say, God, even before I was brought into the world, was set apart to be a prophet. And Jeremiah's prophecy was not easy. Remember, Jeremiah is the one who prophesied all kinds of doom and gloom and was hated for it. And he himself suffered much. And Saul could see if that was true of a man like Jeremiah. Then before the foundation of the world, his whole life was in God's hands from be- and he had a design upon him. God's plan, you see, was not something concocted on the hoof. God didn't react to things that are happening in the world. Rather, God was working out his purposes as the sovereign, divine, and holy Lord. Now in my and in our frail human thinking, we find the depths of those thoughts hard at times to accept or comprehend. How can we, who are so limited by time in our thinking, we we think always in time, We have a day that begins and ends. Life begins and ends. We're constricted by time. But God is not so restricted. And we find it hard to break out of our thought processes to realize that God is the God who, before time, before the world, knew us. But that's what the Scripture says is telling us. That's what we were singing about in Psalm 139. That's what Jeremiah was speaking about. And that's what Saul would later understand. And yet that truth, that teaching, ought to be give you who come to faith in Jesus Christ great comfort and blessing. Because he knows you. He knows you intimately. He knows all your ways. Every day is set in his hand and they are numbered. Your work, your, the purposes he has for you, God has overruled. And sometimes for those who come to faith later in life, they look back and they say, they, they maybe wish that they had learnt the message earlier, but as they look back like Saul, they're able to say, but all those things, all those experiences, God is using them now. He brings them all to bear. And that's certainly true of Saul. All his experiences of life as a Pharisee were brought to bear in his life 
as a Christian. The Lord's hand was on him. It was an eternal plan. It wasn't just, let me do this now. God was in control. Secondly, I want to just say a word about the Lord who was persecuted. Because we read of God, of Jesus, speaking to Saul as he breathes out his murderous intention. And in the arrest of Saul, what is it that Christ, the risen Christ, says to Saul? Well, he says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And it's good for us to give thought about that. The Lord is speaking. Saul, you're persecuting me. But wait a minute. Who was Saul going against? He was persecuting people. He was going after those who dared to own the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and to bring glory to him. How then can Jesus say, Saul, you're persecuting me? Something that he repeats as he goes on in verse 5. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And so Jesus has been persecuted and yet Saul is out against men and women. And clearly that is bringing us to understand that Jesus Christ is part of the body of the church. That we are his body. We are at one with him. And Paul later, Saul later, as Paul wrote about the body of Christ and the unity of the body. And we know that from our own physical frame. If you strike out against one part of your body, all the bits of your body tend to come in in sympathy with it. We know if we're pained, if you strike your, your fingers with the hammer, well, it convulses the whole person. And so when Saul was going out against those who had claimed and were following Jesus Christ, it was not the men and women, first and foremost, that he was attacking. It was Christ himself, for he was in them by his Spirit, and they were his body. And it's a great thing to have this in mind, that Jesus Christ in the earth today is there. He is among us. We are his body. You and I, as we dwell in the kingdom, are the body of Christ. And that's important because when the world comes to attack you or me, as we stand up for Jesus, don't take it personally. Maybe sometimes you need to take it personally if you have done something daft or spoken in a very wrong way, or or just in a a bad way, and you've made a mistake, well, maybe you need to think about that. But when we're standing up righteously for Jesus Christ as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and people attack you, well, don't take that personally. That is an attack against the Savior. And it should grieve us personally, but it's not against you or me as a man or a woman living in the world. Ultimately, it's against Christ. Yes, we may suffer in our flesh. We may have to deal with that. But see it in the bigger picture. Jesus Christ is suffering. That's why we should so hate it. 
Because the Lord whom we love, who gave his life for us, is being hated and castigated and put aside because of the wickedness of men. And so the Lord is persecuted by Saul. And it is this persecuted Lord. It's this one who feels every blow when every believer is imprisoned and when they are put to death. It is he who comes down and meets Saul. And it's he who graciously and lovingly comes to him and picks him out of the people and says, you're going to be different. And isn't that what God has done for you and me as a believer? Whenever we were in our sin, walking in our own selfish way, doing whatever pleased ourselves, God came down and he said, you're hurting me because you're not doing as I want. But I am going to have you as my people, part of my body for my glory. The Lord persecuted. Thirdly, we want to think about the Lord's command given to Saul. What does the Lord tell Saul to do? Well, as Saul opens his eyes on the Damascus road, as we read, he is blind. He cannot see. Uh, and Jesus has already told him in verse 6, Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Saul, so go into the city and wait for further instruction. You're going to have a great mission, but you're to wait. There was little else in one sense that Saul could do. He was blind. When he opened his eyes, he realized, I can't do much. And you can just imagine that blindness. What a gift from God that was. I wonder, could you, do you ever think about that as a gift from God? Saul could do very little. He was being told to wait. and God puts him in a situation where he is stumbling around and can't do anything. He can't begin to do anything wrong. He simply has to wait on the Lord's hand. We can speculate also that in that darkened situation, his keen mind Scripture filled was working. What did he do those days of darkness? He didn't sit and mope. He reflected upon the Christ who had spoken to him. No doubt, Scripture of the Old Testament, the word of the prophets and the Psalms and all the teaching that he had knew so well as a Pharisee was coming into his mind and he was meditating upon that truth. And so as he waited and followed the command of God to wait, he wasn't inactive, but rather his mind was thinking about all that God had spoken. Saul was commanded to wait until God would speak to him and deal with him. But the whole time the word of God, I believe, was probably in his mind. Friends, the command of God to you and me sometimes is to wait, but not to wait without 
with doing nothing. It's to wait and listen. To wait on God and His Word. The Word that has been spoken ought to be continually in our hearts and in our minds. The Word that we have read needs to be mulled over. One of the things that is deeply lacking, and I know I lack it as much as many, is that we don't have the time to meditate on the Word. In today's society, you can have a verse on your phone or even just a Bible reading and it takes about five minutes and you think you've done it. You go off into the world. Friends, God sometimes wants us to wait. To just sit and reflect upon that word. Take more time over it. Listen to his voice. Ask, what is your command to me, Lord? From this word. Are you ready to listen to the Lord's voice? To listen out for the instruction that he will give. The instruction that is not going to always come from the voice of another. But from the very word of God. That you need to give yourself to. In hearing and the preaching. And in the reading day by day. The Lord Jesus was in full control of the circumstances surrounding Saul. And he tells him, you wait. God could have sent, Christ could have sent Ananias immediately. But he did have him wait so that he would understand and have time to think. That was his command to Saul. (coughs) Are you listening? Are you waiting? Are you following the commands of God? To come near to him. To listen out for his voice. To await his word. Let us follow his command. Thirdly, we have, fourthly, rather, we have the Lord's servant. Last week we thought about Ananias as the rather worried uh, worker, the rather worried recruit who was brought in to go to Saul. And we can understand all of his emotions. But look at what God does for this man. From the Lord's perspective, he knows Ananias. He knows everything about him. And what does he do? He answers his questions. And he tells Ananias, look, you don't need to worry. You go. I have given, brought this man, Saul. He is going to be a mighty teacher. In the way the Lord Jesus encourages his servant, showing him this, that this is indeed the right thing to do. Ananias, I know all these things. And I know what Saul was like. You go. And the Lord encourages his servant. He gives him help so that he will go and he does go. Friends, sometimes we are in the shoes of of Ananias. And we need that help and encouragement from the Lord. And here's the truth. The Lord is our encourager. If you're trying and seeking to do the Lord's will, He will encourage. We might object. We might have difficulties. But you know, God knows every part of that situation. There's someone who is awkward and you don't want to speak to them. Does the Lord not know? Yes, He does. He knows how to deal with them, 
and he knows how to give you the very words, the demeanor, and the things to say, so that you can be his servant. When the Lord sends us out, he doesn't send us out on our own. He sends us out with his help and encouragement day by day. If you and I are to know this help, of course we need to be in fellowship with God. How did Ananias ever know that the Lord wanted him to go? Well, the voice of God came to him. But he was in communion with God. And the Lord would have you and me in communion with him. It is through that that we will find our encouragement. We can get too wrapped up in our own thoughts, in our own problems, in our own excuses. And again, it's bringing us back to the word. The Lord's servant needs to know the word, be in the word, listening through the word to the orders that come from him. And if you're a Christian, then you are the Lord's servant. You may not be called to be a Saul. Not many are. You may not even be called to be a leader in the church. But all of us are called to live out the Christian life as servants of God wherever we are and we all meet troubles and difficulties. And as the Lord's servant, he comes and he encourages encourages you within your family setting. He encourages you in meeting those needs in your workplace. He says, you listen to me. You, you go forward my way. The Lord would have you as his servant. Thankfully, he doesn't put us into a situation of blindness. But rather he brings perhaps other things into our lives. God purposed the blindness of Saul, you see, and provided opportunity for Ananias. God provides other ways in which we will be able to minister to others. So the Lord's servant is encouraged to go forward in his name. Then, fifthly, we want to think (coughs) of the great purpose of the Lord for Saul. What magnificent purpose this was. God wasn't saving Saul just for Saul's own sake. The Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. This man is my chosen Instrument. What was his purpose? To go before the Gentiles and the kings. Saul was to be a mighty teacher and preacher. The life of Saul, who changed his name to Paul, under the hand of God, we can read in the book of Acts. And what a wonderful life story it is. What a great purpose God had for this servant. God had a purpose. The Lord's hand was at Saul to bring him to that place. And we can only marvel at how wonderfully God did use Saul. And we see, as we have looked at God's hand upon Saul, 
that he moved and changed him so much that he became such a wonderful example for us. Even the training he'd had as a Pharisee was brought into play, as I mentioned, in his work in the purpose of God. Friends, you and I also have a great purpose. If God had a purpose for Saul, he has a purpose for you and me too. That purpose is to live for Christ. That purpose is to worship God. We don't have to be special. We don't have to be leaders. But we are to go about our daily living in a Christ-honoring fashion. That's God's purpose. Now, he has different purposes for some. Some are called and sent and go out on mission. Some are called to ministry. Some are called to leadership and use their gifts in that way. But he has a purpose for all who call upon his name. And we don't need, sometimes we worry about guidance. We don't really need that much guidance. We simply are called to go and do what God has given us to do in our ordinary, everyday business, but to do it in a God-honoring fashion. That's his purpose. Honor God. Glorify him as you go about your daily walk and you will exalt his name. And as you do that, he will lead you and he will guide you into areas that you may not have imagined you would be brought into. I at one time would never have imagined being in the ministry of God's word. But God had a different purpose for me as I went about trying to do his will to glorify him. Others have other responsibilities. God's purpose is for you to be a Christian person in the things in which you are involved and make as much an impact as you can, bringing glory and honor to his name. For some, the purpose may even be the quiet dedication in the home with the family, children or even grandchildren, always doing what is right. How many people can testify to the godly grandmother and the influence in a home? What a wonderful blessing. That's God's purpose. All that they have learnt their whole life experience, even before conversion, God puts into that purpose. Just as he did with Saul. So here is the Lord's hand on Saul. In his conversion, God is in control. It's part of his eternal plan. He was the one who was persecuted as Saul drew, uh, went out against the church for we are his body. He is the one who gave Saul command, just wait now, take your time, listen to my word. And he is the Lord who sent the servant Ananias, who encouraged Ananias, who will encourage you, and who gives you purpose as he gave Saul purpose.